Welcome to the Voices Heard Lives Empowered podcast brought to you by Power. This episode is part of our Suicide Awareness series, supported by Hertfordshire and West Essex Community Fund. In this episode, we speak to Charlie Bethel, the Chief Officer for UK Men's Sheds. We discuss the purpose of men's sheds and how they support men with mental ill health. We speak about the need for this service and how the current economic situation will affect it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please note this subject matter may be distressful for some listeners. If you are affected by anything in this episode and need support, please contact Samaritans by calling 116 123 or by visiting samaritans.org. Hello, Charlie. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Ben. Brilliant. Thank you for speaking with us today. What are men's sheds and how do you support people, uh, well, men with their mental health? So men's sheds are a variety of things. They are generally workspaces for men and it's for men to go and make stuff, uh, to repair stuff, to upcycle stuff, or even if they don't have a premises to go and help other groups, whether that's building things within a school or for a school or another charity or just painting railings and fixing park benches. So the idea really is a a group of men that come together, primarily with a workshop space, and in there they make stuff. Now, those spaces could be community centres, they could be retail units or industrial units, but we even have sheds on allotments, and those are actually sheds, and also in disused morgues as well. So wherever there's a space and the men can get in there, and indeed some women, that's where there'll be the physical object of a shed. And then how does it work? It works because men go there. I should probably say from the outset that there are always men there, but sometimes there's women-only sessions or sometimes there's a mixed session, but we advocate men-only sessions as well. And it's men will do things and work together shoulder to shoulder. And by doing that, they'll talk about things. And it might be to start with, they'll talk about the weather because that's what we generally do in the UK. But then they'll talk about, you know, maybe something that ails them or a problem that one of their children are having or something that's worrying them that they saw in the news where they might be a bit anxious. Well, people don't always go there because, you know, they're diagnosed with with an issue around mental health or with loneliness. Many do, but, but not everyone. People go there to make something or to do something. You know, and by doing that as well, you forget. And many of our shedders will say, you know, I forget about being lonely or I forget about being anxious. And and that's what it does. And we use an analogy, which is if you put 12 men in a square room, square room is very important, and you ask them to talk about their feelings, six will leave immediately, and the other six will try to find the corners. And being men, we're not very bright, so we don't find all the corners. So two two are still running around. If, however, you put a lawnmower in the room and you say, fix it, after two hours, they will know each other intimately. They'll know how many grandchildren they've got, how many children, whether they're married, how they take their tea and coffee and what ails them. And if you're lucky, you might get a fixed lawnmower. You'll definitely get some nuts and bolts left over. <laughs> but it's it's by doing stuff shoulder to shoulder. And we say stuff because it could be painting. It could be just sorting out screws. It could just be going for a cup of tea, which is what many people do. They just pop into the shed or play musical instruments or do some gardening. But by doing that, you're you're conversing, you're connecting, you're creating that really does fix a whole range of of different ailments that people might have. 
Yeah, so it's more indirect support rather than saying, right, what are your problems and this is how we could sort it. It's more just bringing people together and letting them find their own way of expressing themselves. Yeah, and, and the stats are amazing. And I won't go over the stats of, whoa, you know, but if we you know look at the ultimate suicide with every three out of every four um, suicides being a man, um, the shed stats, 96% of those that identified as being lonely before joining a shed say they're less lonely now or not lonely at all. 75% reduction in anxiety on the same lines, 89% reduction in depression, 88%, and we're talking about men here, and we're all grumpy men from, I don't know, 23, probably in my case, Um, but 88% feel more connected with the community. 3% are still miserable and don't make new friends, but 97% do make new friendships through just attending the shed on a regular or infrequent basis. And lockdown was a great testament to how people stayed connected, whether that was by telephone or by email or WhatsApp groups, challenging themselves, not only so that they could stay connected, but to help Fred or to help John, who was, you know, at a difficult point in his life. So it really does show that friendships can build later on in life or, you know, even even in our 20s or late teens in the shed and how that group and community support each other. Wow, that's amazing. Them stats really show the impact that you're having, which is great. How did it originally start? Was it a sort of situation where someone just invited people to the shed and then they saw what a positive impact this was having in the community? Yeah, I mean, there have been men's groups for a long time, you know, in the 80s and, you know, supporting different things. But I'm quite competitive, so I, I, this this pains me to say, but it comes from Australia. Um, and they <laughs> did... They did um, so, so they noticed that there were a number of issues around uh, farmers, particularly living on their own in the middle of nowhere, not connecting with other groups, alcohol challenges, you know, challenges in behaviour. And so the shed movement started in Australia and then it has grown and they've over a thousand sheds that are open and, and, and running. And then that concept was seen over here in the UK. And so 10 years next year will be our anniversary. So sheds started to come to the UK and... We've now got 850 open sheds across the UK and another 200 in development. So it, it really is expanding and growing very fast. There were also sheds in Australia, in um, Ireland, in Canada, some in the US and some in Europe as well now with Denmark and, and other places. So it's really encouraging to see so many sheds develop because the challenges for men and the pressures that society put on men um, are you not unique to the UK? Now, there are different ranges of loneliness. You know, Japan is seeing is seeing a greater elder elderly population, and so therefore they're worried and concerned about loneliness. But it, it is across it is across the world. But the whole piece of the making, you know, really does fit well with us in the UK. And and you've got to also remember, we don't have workingmen's clubs anymore you know, that we used to have that may have filled some of that gap. But where does where does a man go if it's not to go and watch the football or to play sport or to go to the pub? You don't see those stats coming out of bingo halls and other groups such as the WI. They're not really there for men. And so that's where sheds sheds work in that non-invasive way. And yes, there are some great groups like Andy's Man Club where it's about the conversation. Um, but for those that don't like that conversation piece, that's where I think a shed fits very well. What I think is a really good thing about it is how empowering it is. So am I right in saying that if anyone 
would like to start their own men's shed that you would support them to do that yeah absolutely and you know many people so that there's um there's one guy in particular um that that we work with quite work with quite closely he doesn't make stuff in the shed he just does the treasury work he just looks after Mm -hmm. the accounts but for him going to the shed and doing that part of the work empowers him and and yes we're there we've got a network of volunteers there are um other organizations in the uk as well that support sheds develop but we're there we've got guidance we've got uh support and actually once the shed is up and running as well or members there are there are discounts great discounts from some of our partners up to 50 percent from some of those partners to help buy product and kit but also other sheds are very supportive in sharing where they got money from and also sharing recycled tools across the shed network as well which is which is really good to see that upcycling and upskilling and and, and passing on of knowledge so yeah we we can support and facilitate all of that brilliant do you have a sort of escalation process in place so say if a gentleman did go to the men's shed and you thought he was at risk for example from suicide or anything like that so all sheds are autonomous. I mean, we, we support them and they can be members. So the shed would be looking to do that themselves. However, one of our roles is to educate sheds around suicide, around all sorts of different illnesses and disabilities and, and conditions. But yeah, we do see it. We see sheds. Um, we get phone calls from sheds. We get so phone calls from shedders as well, where there's a concern about somebody and how can they help them. And that's where we're not the experts. We're a, a first stop shop. And so we've got partners like the Zero Suicide Alliance, one where we use their training to support our shedders so that the shed, shed leaders are aware of what's possible and, and what they should be talking about, but also where to refer people to. Well, the same is true around our physical health as well. So a lot of charities will work with men's sheds to connect to those that come to sheds. So prostate cancer is a, is a good example where the charity Prostate Cancer UK will come to us. We also get guest speakers, world-leading people to come and talk about prostate cancer, what's available. And it's not only for those shedders, but it might also be for their children or their grandchildren about what new treatments are out there, how to identify these these illnesses. So, yes, we suicide, and yes, we have other impairments as well. And there's one shed, Westbury, who won an award this summer with us, and a guy, one of their shedders had been losing his eyesight for the last 30 years, losing his eyesight in one eye. And it was the shedders who, who got together and said, look, to the gentleman, we think that this is fixable. You know, we've been looking into it for you. Why don't you go to the doctors and suggest this? And that guy, after 30 years of deterioration in his eye, going totally blind, losing his vision in that eye, recovered it. Now, you know, it's a, it's a one-off potentially because of the type of... Uh, condition that he had but he would have just carried on being blind in that one eye if it wasn't for the intervention of those fellow shedders looking out for each other and and they really are care they care for each other you know health and safety isn't really a, a too much of a challenge in sheds because they look out for each other if mm. they see something that they're not they don't think is safe they'll call it out but in a in a non-invasive a non-aggressive sort of way they'll just say you know come on bill why don't you try this instead I mean, you alluded to it earlier, but I just wanted to ask, how did the pandemic affect your service? So we, we reacted quite quickly. We were quite nimble. We're, there's only seven staff of which only two are full time. And so we, we, we work remotely anyway. We don't have an office space. 
just a virtual office for post. So we were quite quick to respond by moving a lot of what we do online. We increased the number of presentations we were giving online on various topics, introduced a quiz. We did a radio show as well through one of our partners with Froom FM. So we were quick to adapt, but also we empowered the sheds very early on about, and, and not telling them Zoom is the way to go or Teams or WebEx or other platforms exist. But it was, we created a, um, a document that went out to all the sheds about these are your options. You know, these are the many options that you could look for. Choose the one that best works for you and, and for your shedders. So we created that. So they were able to still connect. Um, and there were other pieces that they were doing, such as going around and working on projects for the community. So some sheds were using just-in-time management where one shed would buy the wood, drop it off. There'd be a, a period that the material would be left to, to be clean. And then the next one would be cutting a piece of wood. And they were doing projects from their individual homes for doctor surgeries, for instance. So doctor surgeries needed fencing. So a lot of sheds were doing projects like that to help support the community. They were even going into, when it came around, vaccination centres and supporting that as well. But yeah, they did a number of projects during the pandemic um, to support the community. And there was one lovely story where there was a guy with dementia in a shed in Del Beatty, and they were making a car called the Skiok, which was a car from um, Del Beatty, a hundred years ago mm. and they were given um just the emblem and they had the the um the drawings of the car so they were working on that and they had a guy who had dementia and his dementia sort of came to a hold um standstill while they were doing the work so he still had dementia but it didn't deteriorate any further mm. then lockdown came along and he had to go he was home wasn't able to go and visit the shed and his wife was talking to the other shedders saying you know how he's deteriorating again so the shed actually moved, and, and this was in, in Scotland, but they, they did this within the rules. They moved the car to the guy's house. And then the guy's son-in-law worked on him again during lockdown to complete the car. And it was the way the shed had thought, right, how do we help him? How do we keep him active? How do we keep mm. him going about what we're doing? So so they adapted what they did, and they, they really did. It was quite humbling to see all the different projects the sheds did to keep people involved and engaged. Mm. At the same time, you know, we did quizzes as well. Shedder came to me and said, you know, it was a real lifeline to me, the quiz, because it meant that every other week or every month, you know, I was able to come and talk to people that weren't just the mm. same Shedders as well. So we did a number of things. Obviously, isolation was just a big factor in the whole sort of pandemic. Did your numbers sort of increase or decrease in light of that? Sheds grew quite remarkably we saw some new sheds set up we saw some online and as I said before you know the, the fact that men come together or men and women come together to set up this group it's a shed already and so now many of those are getting premises so we did see the numbers increase now we did see some sheds close down but to be honest those that did close down were closing down just before lockdown anyway right okay um, because some of their funding was being cut um, and those were ones associated to an, a national charity where those sheds had employed members of staff, whereas the, the vast, and I mean, the vast majority of sheds are, are voluntary, do not have employees. And, and as a result, are more sustainable and more owned by those that go to the sheds, which exacerbate, you know, which increases the, um, the ability to stay active and, and, and clarity and, 
you know, because if you own something, you'll care about it more as well. Mm. As you might well know, you know, we're dealing with a really unprecedented uh, cost of living crisis as well. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on how that would affect your service and men's mental health generally. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we saw a growth during lockdown, predominantly from, you know, people as well that that had to change in circumstances um, as a result of that. And I think the same will be with this cost of living, the cost of living increase. I think we will see, we we already have some organisations channeling financial advice through men's sheds so that they can reach men on those subjects and topics. I see that increasing from our side within our well-being, not just being around you know, cancers, asthma, you know, good food to eat. You know, I I, I see more about advice uh, with the cost of living. And I see sheds becoming warm spaces as well for people. You know, there's going to be a, certainly a need there for for warm environments for a lot of people. So I see that, and I also see sheds with the way with the way they a lot of people that go to sheds will also support food banks and you know by volunteering. And I, and I probably can see some more of that going on, and the shed maybe becoming a more prominent part of of the community, which is good, and it's good it's good for men. But I think, you know, it's we can't. It's difficult because scaremongering can increase anxiety. But I think that where we are on the back of the pandemic, challenges are going to be great. The price, you know, I read today, albeit a pinch of salt on headlines, you know, the most the most expensive um, fuel in 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 Europe, if not the world, for the UK. So I think things have got to change, and I think that things things will change. It's just when they change. I think we need to, yeah, we need we need to use sheds as a hub to to both educate, to provide knowledge, and to be something to look forward to. Because you know, without doubt, fuel poverty will kill people, food poverty will kill people, and you know, if there's something to look forward to, a place to go, a place that will be warm, then you know, the sheds can can do a lot more and and have a, a greater impact. But also things, simple things like recycling and fixing toys for children. You know, if there's people out there that have got some toys that need fixing, even if it's electronics, many sheds can do that sort of thing mm. and will happily do so. And they'll be supporting charities over over the coming months, over the winter and into the new year. And for as long as this happens, I'm sure, you know, and there are a number of sheds that repair bikes and a lot of those bikes that are, are not, used by the uk market go overseas but there's a lot of bikes there that they donate then back to charities to help people so i mean that's great because not only is it providing a much needed service for men who might face isolation and struggle with mental health but you're also creating something and giving back it's just great that you can do both of them things yeah, and and one shed again, one that won one of our awards recently at the in the summer we did awards, uh, had made seventeen xylophones for a local school because the school couldn't afford them, and said to the shed, "Could you help us out?" So the shed did that. It's not a lot of metal that they had to buy and the wooden frames. They do a lot of repurposing of pallets, and not just pallet wood. They'll they'll go um, skip diving to see what they can find. <laughs> And and also other companies, you know, provide you know do do provide materials for sheds, 
you know, the unfortunate thing for those children is that the shedders then decided to play those 17 xylophones to them. Um, <laughs> so, um, and, and I heard it. No, no, it was very good. It was very good. But yeah, so sheds do give back. The sheds that are in schools very often will help the caretaker with repairs. And again, if they're in a shared community space, they help with repairs where necessary. People that go to the shed, isn't, it isn't about going back to work. So it's not a lot of demand on them, but a shed will do things to help the community, things to help the shed, to help the shed's existence, and then make stuff for their friends and family and for themselves. So they'll do they'll do all of those things, you know. And again, just at a, a very basic level, lots of offcuts in a shed. I can see them being used for heating with those that have wood fires. You know, there's there's I mean, some sheds in the past have sold that stuff. There's one in Kelso that I see sell sell those but there'll be a lot of sheds that are donating it and there's a shed in um in north london that's also helping that they're distributing council light bulbs their led light bulbs so the council have had these for some time and there's a few shedders that are going around and changing people's light bulbs for them and then what they're finding is a request for repairs and then in addition to that we're also seeing the sheds giving advice you know well actually if you put some polythene up over your windows that will help reduce the draft and reduce the um, the loss of energy. So they're having a good contribution to society. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities in a way are endless, the amount of support they could provide as well as give each other. We've touched on quite a few sort of different areas of why men's sheds help men's mental health. For example, giving them purpose, giving them a place to indirectly get to know people and, and discuss their own uh, and express their own feelings towards different things. Is there any other sort of things that you would like to mention that you think make men's sheds successful in supporting people, um, men with mental health? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's simple. It's a simple act. It, now, it isn't simple to come through the door. That's probably the biggest challenge for a lot of men. And those that still have wives or have wives, we find the wives march them down and say they're not leaving until they've signed up. But if you can get over that hurdle, which is only a small doorstep, but if you can get over that hurdle, it's the simplicity of making things. And it's also non-invasive. We promote men's sheds as a way of making stuff, of helping other people. And what we find then, once somebody's been to a shed for a while, they're, they're a lot more open to talk about how they're helping Fred in the shed because Fred's a bit lonely. Now, the reality is they're helping themselves. So it, it's that simplicity and it's a non-invasive approach to help people with their mental health. There are referrals. We A lot of sheds will take people by referral, but if the impairment is so severe and requires additional support, it might be that that person has to come with, with support because the sheds care, but they're not carers and are not qualified in that way. Other sheds, however, partner with charities and other organisations where they'll run there's a, there's a shed in um, Caution that has a memory shed with Alzheimer's support. So they're able to not change the culture within their shed, but a lot of shedders will come and support those sessions. There's a couple of days for autism in the Camden shed. And again, you might not want to integrate the people with the autism into the daily running of the shed because the loud noises of the machinery, um, you know, the crowd, the, the size of that space. However, by running separate sessions they can manage the environment better for those people that, that want to come to those. And we do see people progress into everyday running of the sheds as well. So, you know, there's a whole variety of there to serve those different impairments, those 
different challenges. Bereavement is, is a big driver for people to come to sheds uh, because of loss. And that bereavement isn't necessarily losing a loved one, uh, you know, whether that's a, 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 a spouse or, or a child, it might be a divorce. And so mm. sheds, sheds can support people in, in all sorts of ways in that non-invasive, just caring support environment while making stuff out of wood or metal <laughs> or plastic yeah. or 3D printing or CNC machines. You know, it's, it's, it's tremendous. They even make coracles at some sheds, which are upside down, half a ball, um, shaped boats from 3,000 years ago. And then they decide to try and sail them on the waters, which is <laughs> foolish. How would someone, for example, one of our listeners, if they wanted to get in touch with uh, UK Men's Shed and get involved, how can they do that, Charlie? Okay, well, there's all sorts of ways to get involved. One, setting up a new shed or supporting the local local sheds um, or even you know, just wanting to go to a shed. So our website, which is men's sheds, two S's in the middle, uh, .org.uk, that tells you all about men's sheds. But on there is our find a shed tool. And the find a shed tool, you type in your postcode, you click the search button, and then it will come up with the local sheds near you. If there isn't a shed there that's near you, get in contact, our details are all on there. And we can let you know if there's one in development or we can support that person to help set up a shed or find local community groups that are doing that as well. You know, our aim is, there's a lot of sheds, but our aim is to get two and a half thousand sheds at least so that we can serve every community before 4,000 people in the UK. That'd be great. Thank you very much, Charlie. I really appreciate you talking with us and uh, I really encourage anyone to, if they're interested, go check out UK Men's Sheds. Thank you very much, Charlie. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Ben.